you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Well, hi, folks. This is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. My friends, welcome to big, the big uh, podcast circus tent in the sky. I don't know what the hell that means. We don't have lions and tigers and bears, but we do have brilliant minds that come on the show and myself. <laughs> I'm excluded from the brilliant mind column, obviously. Anyway, those of you who have been following the show for a number of years are like, yeah, he's pretty much gone. Uh, so we uh, are glad to have you on the show. Be sure you go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss. For the show to your family and friends, the download has been exploding. Like people have been just referring the show, I guess. We were just kidding about that uh, multi level marketing. Uh, you have to have uh, five people in your download downline or whatever to uh, subscribe to the show. <laughs> we're just kidding, folks. That was a joke, eh? But uh, some of you took it to heart, and uh, I think we doubled. We're going to quadruple our uh, traffic this year. It's kind of crazy. We double and triple every year since 2020, and it looks like we're going to triple this quadruple this year. Anyway, guys, uh, LinkedIn. The LinkedIn newsletter is exploding. Go see that as well on YouTube.com. Today, we have a returning author on the show. Uh, He was here earlier for his book, Pandemic Incorporated, Chasing the Capitalists and Thieves Who Got Rich. Well, we got sick, and he's got a new article out on ProPublica.org called A Christian Health Nonprofit Saddled with Thousands with Debt as it built a family empire, including a pot farm, a bank, and an airline. It's a huge, massive expose that uh, they published there on ProPublica.org. And we have the co-author of that, uh, J. David McSwain, on the show for us today. He'll be talking about all of his insights and everything that goes into him. him, And he's been with ProPublica and been a journalist for quite some time uh, doing all his good stuff and work over there. Uh, He's a reporter in their D.C. office. He worked in his investigative reporter for the Dallas Morning News, where he reported on the state's outsourced medical, I'm sorry, Medicaid system. Get it right, Chris. Which benefited companies that systematically deny care to sick children, disabled adults, and spurred multiple legislative reforms. Uh, welcome to the show, David. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? There you go. Uh, welcome to the show, and uh, give us your .com, wherever you want people to look you up and get to know you on the interwebs. Oh, uh, go to ProPublica.org. Uh, that's where our work is featured. I have a bio page there. Uh, you can also find some of my work, including my book, at davidmcswain.com. There you go. So what motivated you to write this piece? You know, you came off of uh, Pandemic Incorporated. What motivated you to write this piece, and, and what was kind of the catalyst behind it? Uh, sort of the classic story of um, <clears throat> the pressure you feel after landing, uh, you know, a project such as a book or a big story. It's just desperation. You're looking for, you know, what's the next story? <laughs> the next big thing. <clears throat> Yeah, and my colleague Ryan Gabrielson and I just wanted to look a little bit more closely at nonprofits. It's really not a very well-reported space. Uh, You know, these are organizations that are tax-exempt, and, you know, there are some records out there, but they're kind of squishy. Just having reported for years and years, 
you know, you just sort of see there's always there's always something going on in the space. So we thought we'd more deliberately take a look, and we were thinking more broad, you know, strokes. We'd we'd look at the uh, regulation as a whole, and just started poking around. I was interested in looking at religious organizations. He was interested in looking at healthcare and almost, you know, randomly sort of found the intersection of the two and landed upon an organization called Liberty HealthShare, which appeared to have just a ton of complaints online Mm -hmm. that are business bureau complaints and so forth. And sort of seemed like there was smoke. (coughs) I'm so sorry. I got something stuck in my throat. That's uh, that happens on a Tuesday morning. Only when you're trying to to talk continuously. Right? That's true. <laughs> That's what. <laughs> um, so you know there there were just things uh, signaling that okay this is an interesting organization. It's called uh, a healthcare sharing ministry. I had never heard of this, and uh, you know in a previous uh, job down in Texas I covered insurance pretty extensively and knew about insurance and this is built as an alternative to insurance. These ministries are essentially faith-based organizations of like-minded Christians. You know, it sort of began with the Mennonites who essentially say, you know, we're going to work outside of insurance rather than pay United Healthcare and uh, we all have a premium. We're just going to put money into this nonprofit. So when I get sick or I break a leg, you know, they'll just, they'll just pay for it. Uh, so conceptually similar but completely unregulated. And right away, that just stood out to me as uniquely susceptible to, to fraud, which, you know, uh, as you know, I've covered a lot of that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And what was interesting to me, and you guys documented the article, and I think I remember hearing at the time, the Iowa, I think an Iowa senator or Iowa House member, uh, was it Grassley? Um, it put a put a provision in the original Obamacare, and Obamacare was a proponent that kind of maybe drove people to some of these uh, these uh, vehicles for funding insurance outside of the thing. And I think there was uh, you wrote in the article that there was an exception pushed into the Obamacare bill originally to to help these businesses that were religious based. <clears throat> yeah, you actually just gave me the uh, perfect setup to pitch a story that's coming out next week <laughs> that further. Uh, delves into this. It's actually really fascinating. In, in that story, I got sort of an up-close view uh, with the lobbyist who got that exemption in, a, a guy mm-hmm. no one's ever heard of, uh, was working for these ministries that most people don't know anything about. Um, and when I discovered that the exemption, you know, uh, it's about 100 words in a thousand-page document, you know, one of the biggest laws ever passed by Congress, mm-hmm. is no one really noticed it. And when when I traced it back to Senator Chuck Grassley, veteran like famous uh, for being a conservative voice against Obamacare. When I found out it traced back to his office, I was kind of surprised. Uh, And when I called his office, so were they. (laughs) Wow. This was quite a while ago, 13, 14 Mm -hmm. years ago. And that institutional knowledge just sort of turns over um, and folks couldn't quite remember what it was. But, uh, you know, essentially these ministries were pretty small, maybe 40,000 members around 2009. Mm-hmm. And Obamacare is coming together, and it's pretty clear it's going to have sweeping effects across the healthcare industry, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, this is sort of the beginning of the, you know, the coordinated GOP opposition to everything Obama, um, mm-hmm. especially the ACA. So they hire a lobbyist. They want to make sure that whatever happens in insurance regulation, they 
can survive. And there was a thing in there that probably the most controversial piece of the Affordable Care Act was the individual mandate, which essentially mm -hmm. said, we all have to have insurance, whether it's through your job or you buy it on the marketplace. That would have effectively killed healthcare sharing ministries because they're not insurance. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to stop that and appealed to Grassley's office saying, you know, we're religious. We're, we're a group of Christians who want to help each other out. And what we're doing is good and it's cheaper and we just want to make sure we can survive. So uh, through some, you know, behind the scenes, you know, uh, legislating, that exemption slips through and healthcare sharing ministries are not just saved, but they're really exempt from all of this new sweeping regulation that had a profound impact on actual insurance. So it really just created a, an opportunity for people to take advantage of, of this space. Wow. Now I'd, I'd heard about these and I, I, I we were talking in the green room beforehand. I, I couldn't remember where I'd heard about these collectives. I don't know if that's the right word, but that's what I'll use the collectives of health insurance where these, where it, it was based upon, you know, I, I'd seen one version where there was, it was based upon like Jesus teaching of helping each other. And so the, the insurance company would collect, I think premiums, but anything that was due like above that, people would sometimes have to write additional checks to support. Uh, was this one of those collectives or was it a, a, a more like an insurance company? Well, so collective wouldn't be the legal term. Um, but yeah, it's essentially what they were doing. They were saying, instead of giving our money as a monthly premium to a corporation, essentially, uh, that has profit motivations, we're going to give it to a nonprofit relatively small maybe there's a few hundred of us uh and you know we're, we're, we're all religious we share the same faith uh but it looks and acts like insurance insurance yeah. regulators would tell you this you they pay a monthly share that share is just a premium uh yeah. and the nonprofit holds on to that and insurance we call that pooling yeah. uh and once you start pooling money you're an insurance company uh yeah. and they've managed to really sort of sidestep that regulation by arguing they don't pool members money uh they just kind of hold on to it for them, which is one and the same, right? Yeah, if you uh, send me a million dollars, I will hold on to it for you. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll pull anyone's money. Let me know. Um, <laughs> yeah, so let me they, drop they my cash app really like quick insurance. here. I'm sorry, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying they look and act like insurance, but that religious bit uh, was sort of their way out. And yeah. lawmakers, uh, you know, not a, not a lot of people were in these things. People are reluctant to do anything that might look like religious persecution. And yeah. that's essentially what the early health shares argued is, you know, this is this is us practicing our religion in a way. Uh, so if you regulate us, uh, you know, you're coming after Christians. Yeah. And that was kind of a backlash of, well, I don't know if it was directly a backlash of when Obama kind of went after, you know, uh, went after with the IRS basically saying, uh, what was it, uh, you know, the, if you're preaching or using your, your, your religion to infiltrate politics, you have problems. It seemed like there was a lot of backlash that came out of that. And of course, the GOP using Obamacare and Obama as a boogeyman and saying, you know, oh, he's coming after your religion, you know. And uh, it seems like a lot came out of that. And, you know, for years you heard the whipping of what, almost 10 or 20 years or something. How long has it been? 10, I don't know, 10 years? <laughs> yeah. Last 10 years of, you know, the GOP is like, we're going to stop Obamacare, which came down to McCain, McCain's uh, uh, seminal vote. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it's interesting to me what was going on with these companies because they act like nor the, the people who pay into them, you know, feel they're normal consumers of an insurance policy that 
when they have claims, when they get uh, some sort of a thing, they have issues. You tell a story uh, beginning in the article uh, about uh, a lady who uh, that ha ends up happening to. Yeah, yeah. So uh, well, there was a lot there. So it, it, it was fascinating. It's sort of a theme throughout our story that there's this family, the, the Beers family of Canton, Ohio, and some, some associates who started, they almost invented health shares back oh. in the day. Uh, they got uh, busted committing some fraud and kind of dis disappeared. But it was that whole uh, stew of things happening that you just referenced of the GOP coming after everything, Obamacare, the act itself, our shifting politics that allowed them to just sort of slip under the radar and collect billions of dollars. Um, so I found it fascinating because most people don't know about these things, um, but it was just our, our political atmosphere allowed it to happen. And then mm -hmm. no one was looking at it. So you have people like Bonnie Martin, who you mentioned how we lead into the story, who it, it appealed to her, the Liberty Health Share appealed to her because she didn't get health insurance through her job, which is mm -hmm. millions of Americans. The Obamacare marketplace is has gotten really expensive. Yeah. Uh, so she sort of fell through the cracks, and here's this Liberty Health Shares offering something that looks like insurance, and it's much cheaper. So she bought into it, as uh, hundreds of thousands have uh, in this space by now. And it's fine until she needs something, um, and she's you know she's diagnosed with an aggressive cancer, and. Some of her bills are paid early on. This is when Liberty's sort of healthy and they're bringing in more people and more money. Mm -hmm. um, and that we're start, we're not yet seeing the house of cards and goes into remission. She gets sick again. And now they just stop paying her bills. Wow. And in her case, you know, she's told her, her illness is terminal and she doesn't really want to believe it. She, you know, she's fighting back against that. So Sure. We found these emails and notes, like handwritten notes, where she's pleading with Liberty to pay her bills mm -hmm. because she doesn't want to go into debt and be sent to collections. And, uh, you know, we found that, you know, these pleas just really went nowhere because money was being drained out of the nonprofit to fund to fund these for-profit corporations and buy properties and, and things that are all connected to one family in Ohio. Yeah, I you know, and the sad part about this is I don't I I mean it it's all sad when you really look at it. Um, you know, these people pay in premiums and they believe in it, but on top of that, you know, they they believe in the institution of religion and Jesus and and that the you know these people are going to do good by them because they're religious than other people aren't. You know, I, I I'm an atheist now, but I grew up in the cult and grew up in religion and all that sort of stuff. Um, and so, you know, I understand how people, you know, they believe in it. You know, I have family that still believes in religion and, you know, and, and they believe that the, 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 I call it a cult, their entity that, uh, that, uh, that they send their money to, uh, uh, is, is, you know, has goodwill from a Jesus sort of standpoint of, of, you know, we're, we're, we're going to do right by you. Um, recently the cult was, uh, was fined by the IRS and the SEC for hiding hundreds of billions of dollars or into a fund. You'll probably know which one I'm referring to, but they believe deep down, you know, they have a trust, uh, I'm trying to say of, of that these, these, these religious institutions that are financial are going to be above board than say, a, a, a Gentile sort of 
institution, if you will. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I found interesting is that the audience to whom they're marketing is a devoted audience, Mm -hmm. as you pointed out, through their faith. Um, You know, and I also grew up in the church, so I understand it. And, you know, these folks are talking. They had their own little communities. And there's this sort of broad crossover seeing more recently with, um, you know, the right and things like CPAC and these other things. And Mm -hmm. they found just a really great audience to sell to of people who wanted an alternative for what they, you know, um, viewed as sort of a scourge of Obamacare who may need health insurance when it's really expensive. Uh, And, you know, they had a lot of devotees and, you know, they used faith uh, to market themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and I did find that a lot of people who weren't Christian, Bonnie Martin wasn't a Christian. Mm -hmm. uh, It was just practical for her. It looked like a good deal. um, And it turned out too good to be true. There you go. In fact, you mentioned CPAC. One of the pictures in your article uh, shows the one of the infamous photos, I'm going to call it infamous, of Trump uh, plagiarizing and hugging the flag, which I don't think you're supposed to do. Um, but uh, And Liberty HealthShare is one of the sponsors of CPAC. It, this is 2019, it looks like. Uh, tell us a little bit about Warren, that kind of incestuous relationship with uh, politics and the company. Yeah, the... Um you know, I was talking to a source earlier today who, uh, you know, as a conservative, he said, you know, I didn't really love that you included that photo, um, you know, because a lot of us are conservative. And, uh, you know, it seemed like a, a jab. And I was like, you know, that's interesting that you thought of that it that way. I, I actually did. And what I saw that as here is an organization that founded out of allegations of fraud comes completely out of obscurity to the highest stage they can really get to next mm-hmm. to the president of the United States as a lead sponsor of CPAC, uh, which, you know, coincides with them wanting to preserve certain policies that allow them to exist. But also there is no better advertising for what they were selling. Mm-hmm. You know, they went from nothing to one of the biggest sponsors of CPAC within like four years. Uh, so it was significant to me to, to see you know, I, I don't think the president understood what Liberty Health Share was when he took that photo. Um, and, I, you know, I doubt a lot of people who've seen the photo thought twice about it. But yeah. it, that gave them a, a significant stage uh, to sell their wares and bring in more people and more money and ultimately to, uh, you know, to wreak a little more havoc on people's finances. Yeah. There's another brand on here, Dragging Canoe Pigeon 4. I don't even know what the hell that is. It sounds like something, <laughs> sounds like something I'd find on, on the new advertisements on Twitter. <laughs> it's like the bottom basement of advertisers over there. Um, but what's interesting is the CPAC sponsorship that they paid to get on that board. Uh, they spent more than 200000 a year, according to your article, between 2017 and 2021 to be a top sponsor at CPAC. Well, meanwhile, not paying, you know, uh, folks like this uh, lady's bills who ended up dying of cancer. Right. And that's that's the thrust of the story. I mean, what what we really found was, you know, they had some really clever marketing. They had a really devoted audience uh, and they had people who were trusting and sending their money. And what happened is they set up, you know, this family set up for profit corporations that charged the nonprofit and sucked out millions and millions of dollars. 
uh, which we've seen in nonprofits before. But what caught my interest was as we delved further and further and looked at property records and, and business filings that you file with your secretary of state and so forth is dozens of companies that appeared to be shell companies that don't do anything but move money and hold assets and, mm-hmm. and all this stuff moving around. And we traced it back and we found all this interesting, these interesting properties, a, a weed farm in Oregon. Uh, the family had purchased a controlling stake in a boutique airline uh, outside of Canton that, you know, used to sh- ship people from Canton to Atlantic city for a gambling weekend, uh, but just happened to be hired to move migrants to Martha's vineyard for Ron DeSantis political stunt. So like the deeper we went, the more we realized like, you know, this family that controlled this uh, uh, thing, um, you know, members of this family had, had moved money through an array of assets and accumulated incredible wealth uh, in just a few years. And uh, you know, that money originated from people who might've been at CPAC and decided they were going to buy their product. You know, I do, I do remember from reading the Bible when I was young that Jesus did say thou shalt buy an airline and a pot farm. I'm pretty sure that uh, was in Leviticus. Yeah. Those might be their extra religious endeavors, but you, you basically document this whole almost Rico like, uh, organization of like you say shell companies and and the pooling is, is of the of the insurance funds is clearly being uh redistributed and and uh and uh uh used and, and these guys are getting rich and living with it on top of that i, I love how you document it. it goes back to uh it goes back like three uh, what two generations three different iterations that they've done of this scam of creating these sort of insurance things if you want to expand on that a little bit yeah, so the members of the Beers family of Canton, Ohio, uh, who are intimately involved in the creation of Liberty and moving the, that money around, were already sort of infamous from something that happened more than 20 years ago uh, in the 90s, but it started much earlier. Uh, a reverend named Bruce Hawthorne took the idea of a health share, which was really just like Mennonites, like hundreds of Mennonites might band together and like someone breaks a leg, they'd pay for it, right? Mm-hmm takes that idea and scales it and learns to monetize it. And people are paying each other's bills back then through snail mail. And by the mid nineties and into the two thousands, the Ohio attorney general sort of got wise to what was going on here, investigates this nonprofit with, which was called the Christian brotherhood newsletter. And that brotherhood, uh, you know, when they looked into it was, moving millions and millions of dollars out of the nonprofit and into a company controlled by one of the members of the family, Daniel J. Beers. And from there, they bought motorcycles and land and a family ranch and uh, a jet and a bus and, and all these other things. So we saw that pattern and the Ohio attorney general recommended dozens of felony charges be filed against members of this family. Wow. And it, it just didn't happen. There was a new DA who was elected and, and some other things. But we found the original, my, my colleague Ryan Gabrielson found the original referral to, to um, you know, the law enforcement referral that detailed this in which they allege members of this family were engaged in money laundering and racketeering uh, and conspiracy to, you know, to steal. And when we read through all of those really old files, we noticed that Liberty HealthShare and the companies that were pulling money out of it mm-hmm. 
seem to be echoing something this family knew a lot about uh, from more than 20 years ago. So, you know, we sort of walk readers through the origins of that and you see how it sort of evolves where, you know, Liberty HealthShare now has the internet and Facebook for marketing and, and all these other tools to get even bigger. But functionally, the operation looks a lot like the first operation. Wow. And they're just they're just hopping from different things. And they're they're going on. You have pictures of them going on bear trips. Uh, evidently, one of the guys loves to gamble. Is that correct? Yeah. So the patriarch of this whole thing, who was involved in the Brotherhood and is also involved, uh, our sources and documents show in Liberty, though his name's not on anything because he owes a ten million dollar judgment. Oh. Um, you know, he, he's quite a character, and I had a chance to meet with him um, where he sat down and answered questions about companies he claims he doesn't control or know anything about um but they like to have fun he, he likes to gamble uh he's he's pretty good at poker from what we were able to find uh, he's one he's placed in some tournaments and uh you know the family you know as they amassed all of this wealth at the same time liberty members weren't getting their bills paid and were being sent to collections uh you know they were having a good time they bought a piece of a hunting and fishing lodge in alberta canada and, um, you know, they weren't really hiding it. They posted photos of, you know, five bears they'd killed as a family and some deer. And, um, you know, just in the course of us doing our due, due diligence, we found those things. And actually, the hunting lodge was one of the harder things to find because we weren't looking in Canada. Oh, uh, wow. And they have a different public record system. Um, it was just sort of mentioned to me in passing uh, by a source like, hey, did you know about the hunting lodge? Um, and then, we, you know, the photos confirmed it. You know, this is this is what I love about having journalists on the show and having you guys come on uh, from from reputable sources. <laughs> I don't think I claim Fox News as a reputable source of anyone came on from them. I don't think we have anyone on from Fox News. But it's been interesting to see what Dominion the Dominion lawsuit is exposed. But, but the work you did on this piece is is amazing and huge, and probably and probably just the beginning of, of peeling the onion, maybe. Um, but you know, I was reading the other day about. Uh, I forget who the Texas pastor is, but he was the guy who wouldn't open the church to the Houston hurricane victims. Uh, and then he finally relented after some public backlash. But I was reading about how much money he has, how many cars he has and different things. And uh, it, it's just extraordinary. Some of the games that are played in the name of religion and Jesus that end up, you know, enriching the, some of these dudes and fleecing a lot of people, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, frankly, it's an American tradition. Uh, <laughs> it, it, and that's not to discount people's faith or, or religious institutions that do a lot of good. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people in this space who, you know, they, they're upset. They want this stuff exposed because they, they want to do it right. and They, they mm -hmm. believe they're following biblical teaching. And uh, they want a cheaper alternative that provide some sort of faith-based community um, and, and they're true believers. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, as with anything, um, you know, there's always somebody trying to take advantage. And when you add, you know, sort of the trust that comes along with, you know, oh, I'm giving money to a fellow Christian or so forth. Mm -hmm. That's when it feels, um, I think that's when, you know, people feel even yet more upset, like they were taken advantage of on, on a more spiritual level. Yeah, they prey on these people. I mean, you see it in the Nigerian emails. You know, they'll bring up God and, you know, all sorts of religious sayings, and they do it to establish trust or find people that are that are 
you know, they're willing to give their faith over a little bit more to people who speak that language and, and think they're more trustworthy. And really it's, it's, it's just preying on these people, which is sad and unfortunate. And why, uh, is there a chance that, uh, I mean, hopefully what you're documenting is going to get covered. Is there a chance the justice department is ever going to look into this stuff or is it like you mentioned earlier in the show, it's, it's a thing where uh, you get in religion, then, you know, you get the political backlash from the, yeah. from the right wing, uh, GOP. Right. Uh, yeah, those political conditions, uh, haven't quite changed. I mean, um, talked to some folks who are IRS experts or had worked at the agency. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're just not very good at policing nonprofits. It's not, I mean, <laughs> the IRS is a tax collection agency. That's their primary goal. Uh, an objective and these organizations don't pay taxes. So it's, they're not really hunting around for this sort of thing. They find things here and there and they'll ping you, but uh, it, they just don't have the capacity for that. We're told. And then on top of that, you have the perception largely perpetuated by conservative media that, you know, the IRS was attacking religion. Um, yeah. So I think there may be a reluctance there. I don't have anyone who's explicitly told me that. Yeah. Um, but I certainly think there's a lot there that law enforcement may choose to look or, or to follow up on, or maybe even the Ohio attorney general's office, which has in the past, like has some familiarity with, uh, you know, with this organization and with this family. And it seems like regulators on a state and federal level have just not really wanted to regulate them. They're kind of like, well, they're kind of over on their own thing. So just, just let them do that. But if you're in, I think if you're in the normal insurance regulation business or business, you have tons of regulations, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it was a pretty clever pitch early on, um, mm -hmm. really beginning in the nineties into the early aughts, you know, the industry argued, you know, we're this religious group, we're really small. You shouldn't really worry about us. We're not insurance. And insurance regulators have a ton of, you know, they're policing, you know, $100 billion corporations and it's different state by state. Uh, it's really complicated stuff. I think they were more than happy to just say, okay, we don't need more homework. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the it's, it's really interesting what goes on in this world, you know, between uh stuff the scotus rulings of course as the court's gone more right wing you know approving different things uh citizens united and different uh features of, of rulings where you can just buy politicians you can lobby like hell to get what you want it seems like businesses can just go do almost whatever they want and not really uh face many penalties uh, the mormon church which i referenced earlier they just recently uh earlier this month uh paid five million dollars to resolve the sec case uh, for stockpiling a hundred billion dollars in total holdings, hiding it from the IRS, hiding it from other places. They were hiding it mostly, they claim, from their members because they were worried that their members would stop sending in money. And I have members of my family that I'm like, why are you sending money to, um, you know, I think they were exposed years ago of being one of the top 10 real estate holding uh, companies in, in the United States. They have, they probably have so much money, you know, no one can... Uh, put a finger on it but so much money you're just like why would you send that and they're literally getting off now with five million dollars over hiding a hundred billion dollars and they're just gonna yeah. they're just gonna get off on it and it's just crazy that people can these businesses and it is a business the mormon church is is filed as an incorporation uh as are its shell companies um the, 
it's just extraordinary. These people can walk away from it. Yet, yet I think if personally one of us did that, we'd, we'd definitely be doing some jail time. Yeah, it's just pra- practically it's easier for law enforcement or a regulatory agency to go after, you know, uh, individuals that are easier to prosecute and mm-hmm. sort of seek a deterrent effect, make an example out of someone. Uh, and there's also, you know, a culture of, accepting settlements because litigation is you know tedious expensive takes forever and you know there's only so much capacity you have so i think it's just kind of a human thing that makes a lot of sense and um you know and in a in a way it's uh, job security because the last line of defense often is journalists who you know we obsess over things and yeah. you know can get to the bottom of it and it's not our job to make a case it's our job to just point point out what's happening and then let uh, let others act. Yeah, without the fourth estate reporting this stuff, you know, people don't let's say appreciate a journalism 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 as much as they uh, should, because without it, we wouldn't know about a lot of these abuses and and some things get resolved, some things don't. But uh, you know, it's it's really important that uh, we find out about this stuff, and, and there needs to be more outcry. I mean, people need to. To, to, to go this is bullshit um you know I, I i i've constantly read and a lot of it's between the lines that the reason they don't go after billionaires and rich people and stuff is because they kind of hire 50 million attorneys to to fight them for decades you know um there's still i guess a hundred million dollar refund that's still unresolved with the irs and we're still trickling out with trump as to how uh he you know, he abused, he used to abuse the IRS. In fact, to look at his own files that came out. So, the, you know, it's really interesting what you've uh, put in here. What what else have we teased out or covered in the article that people should read? Oh boy, it's a it's a long article, admittedly, um, but uh, we've gotten a lot of engagement with the story online. Uh, mm-hmm. It's still up on the homepage. Uh, I'd encourage people just to check it out. There's a really cool animation that walks you through. Uh, the logistics of how money was sucked out of this nonprofit. Um, one thing I found really fascinating is as we were tracking all these companies and following the money, pretty journalism 101 stuff, though it you know took a while, uh, came upon a, a bank that members of the family purchased in the Missouri Ozarks. And I just thought, well, why do they have a bank? And and we found that it's it's central to their next business venture, uh, wow. which you know, it, it's complicated, but they're essentially trying to f- make sure they have an end run around insurance regulation forever because wow. they, they could not, you know, they could get around pooling money. Um, and the bank is central to that. In the moment, right, in the months after, you know, members of the family purchased the bank, there's been an exodus of, of executives who weren't comfortable with how that's going down. So that's something we're going to be looking at, see where that goes. And, and of course, they've now invited bank regulation, which is, you know, the, much heavier than the space they, they exist is just a healthcare sharing ministry. Yeah. And you talk in your article about how it took some it, much longer than normal to get their bank thing approved. But now they have access to borrowing money from, from the feds, from the federal reserve and, uh, you know, doing their banking stuff and, maybe i don't know maybe maybe some interest I mean, didn't wouldn't, wouldn't that if if the if the if a drug cartel was running that wouldn't that be called money laundering <laughs> maybe i don't know you gotta worry about what they might be doing with that bank 
Yeah, I don't think we ran into any drugs, but uh, it, we're, we're eager to see, um, yeah. you know, what banking regulators say about you know yeah. The plans for the bank. Yeah, and I'm just using the example. I mean, if it was a drug, it was a drug dealers doing it. I mean, definitely they're you know the the feds would be all over it. But I think there's real big concern with what they do with the bank and you know trying to legitimize the money and 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 I imagine all these companies you outlined that these people bought with shell companies controlled by the family conveniently um none of the profit from those venues probably flows back to the original uh insurance company pool that they they stole it from or took it from maybe it's a proper yeah. word <laughs> yeah once money leaves the nonprofit, we have a very limited view uh, wow because those records aren't public uh and you can find things in land records and Mm -hmm. uh, you know, elsewhere, uh, and stitch it together. But, you know, it would take, uh, you know, law enforcement and subpoena power to really track everything. Yeah. Cause they're, they're private companies. So they're, they don't have to disclose all their open, all their open stuff and, and how much it's really interesting how they've, you know, I, there's no laws against this stuff. It's crazy. It's just freaking crazy. Or there's, if there are, there seems to be, you know, reluctance on, uh, on prosecutors to go after it. Yeah, the, the Ohio Attorney General settled for uh, entered a, a settlement with members of the family and the nonprofit after accusing it of fraud, and, and there are laws against that um, for reasons we don't know. They didn't answer our questions. They didn't pursue criminal charges, and instead went with civil litigation. Mm -hmm. Is there any indication that, uh, I mean, your article is fairly new, but uh, some of the fallout might uh, might uh, motivate some people to, uh, might prosecutors to take a deeper look at what's going on there? Uh, you never know. I mean, it's been my experience, um, you know, when you, when you throw something out there like this, uh, some prosecutor somewhere follows up and wants to take a look at it at the very least. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know that. I don't have any confirmation of that. Um, but I think we've put a lot out there that might, might be of interest yeah i mean it you you guys have laid it out probably in a way that a lot of people have, have looked into it you know with the mormon case the, there was a whistleblower that was overseeing the funds that came forward and said you know this is wrong and ethical and and uh not really something probably jesus would pull off i've read the i've read the bible you know i'm an atheist but the bible is like a, still a good you know a good how-to manual at how to be a good person in life uh, for the most part i don't know about the old testament maybe i don't know i have to revisit <laughs> But, you know, the New Testament kind of, you know, when Jesus comes around, he's like, hey, you know, uh, don't lie, don't steal, you know, be good to each other. You know, that's sort of the golden rule. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good way to do. But, uh, of course, I'm a, I'm a, a, I'm a Gentile heathen of uh, atheism, so uh, I'll, I'll be worshiping the devil later today, I guess, or something. <laughs> what do you think I do? Those are jokes, people. We're just kidding around. Um, anything more you want to touch on or tease out, David, to get people to read the article, check it out, and find out more about what's going on? Uh, no, that's it. Uh, check it out at ProPublica.org. We have a newsletter where you can sign up and get updates on uh, on our other investigations as they come out. There you go. There you go. And uh, people who want to uh, join our wor devil worshiping cult. No, I'm just kidding. We don't have one. I'm just an atheist. We don't believe in anything. Anyway, folks. Uh, so uh, uh, thanks for coming on the show, Dave. We really appreciate you coming on. And your insights in this are amazing. We've had a lot of uh, we've had a lot of authors that have come on that have exposed a lot of stuff going on in religion, the right wing stuff, what put Trump in office, and a lot of this stuff that seemed to come out of Obamacare and Obama and and uh, and some of the exposing some of the abuses that are on there. So uh, it's good that you do this and do the great work of journalism for it. 
Yeah, thanks for having me back on. There you go. Uh, please come back for the next book or whatever the next big thing is, David. Um, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, go to goodreads.com for says Chris Foss. Go to youtube.com for says Chris Foss. Go to goodread or uh, linkedin.com for says Chris Foss. Subscribe to the LinkedIn newsletter. That thing is killing it over there. It's huge. It's public now. They made it so that everyone can see the newsletter instead of connections. And so usually it's uh, our great interviews that we do here. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time.